The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garam Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, Garam Perro has always believed that a, a name change can usually be taken as a, a sure sign that a company is on the march. It's particularly so when the name change is matched to a recapitalisation and a management rejuvenation. The trick, though, is that the underlying project has to have the makings of something special in, and in a supportive commodities market. We've got all that today with today's podcast on FOSCO, formerly Salomon. FOSCO trades under the code PHO or Papa Hotel Oscar. It last traded at 14 cents for a market cap of about 33 million. It's an interesting story based on the Chaketmar phosphate rock project in Tunisia. To bring us up to speed with all that and what is behind the booming market for fertilizers of all descriptions, we have Taz Aldaud with us today, Executive Director of Fosco, which I will note has been on the march of late in share price terms, and uh, it's been pumping out some interesting news around the, uh, the project. Hi, Taz. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Barry. It's great to be with you, and, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. Uh, Taz, the, uh, the project is well known to the market, and there is uh, some history around ownership. I don't think we need to go back over that in time, because uh, we are talking about a new look company here. But give us a snapshot of where things are now. That's spot on, Barry, and happy to. Um, as a snapshot, there's, there's probably three things that investors need to know, and, and that is that uh, there, there was a colourful history, but the company in terms of project ownership is in the best position it, it's been for a long while. We've had a 50.99% interest in the Chiketma Phosphate project restored. Uh, Fosco controls the JV, and we see a pathway now to 100% project ownership via seizure because um, the the partner owes $5 million US and that, that remains outstanding. Okay, Taz, uh, the phosphate market looking very interesting, like all fertilisers are, as the world frets about the need to feed the world. Tell us a bit more about just where the phosphate market's at. The need to feed. Uh, look, one of my favourite things to do lately is check the phosphate price because every time we're looking at the moment, the price is higher. Um, what's incredible is that 90% of the world's phosphate comes from just five countries and supply disruptions are not out of the norm when you look at the countries that we're talking about. The US has imposed an import tariff on Moroccan and Russian phosphate. Uh, Morocco has a majority of its reserves in, in disputed territory in Western Sahara. The EU and the US have declared phosphate a critical commodity. And that's quite important for listeners to know is that phosphate uh, is not optional. It's critical. You know, it's essential to the agricultural industry. And uh, China has followed suit. They've, they've banned exports, um, taking out a third of the global phosphate trade. And you can see that the price was already beginning to respond to that. In fact, it, it went up uh, by nearly 100% before the war then began in Ukraine. Uh, and that has tightened things up considerably again. Um, so the, the trend is definitely up for phosphate. And uh, it's a good time to be advancing this project. So it would be fair to say it's 10, 12-year highs at the moment? 
Yeah, that's right. It's just a past 10-year highs and uh, we're expecting, according to CRU, who are the gurus in the area, that uh, the price will be uh, recalibrated early next week um, to to show a further increase again. Um, so, yeah, 10-year highs at the moment. Um, and to think that, you know, there's other applications that are also making their way onto the scenes. Uh, they're using phosphate now in lithium-ion phosphate batteries. Uh, so, so this additional demand on an already tight market, um, watching that dynamic unfold, uh, will be interesting also. Yeah. Yeah, just on the batteries, that's the LFPs, which China's big on because of the cost of nickel and um, cobalt. Absolutely. The, uh, they don't get the case that the, the nickel NMC batteries get, but it makes cars more affordable, adding to the EV story. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, I don't think we'll see nickel and cobalt go away, but um, there's definitely some benefits to LFP batteries, which is uh, bringing them to the forefront. They're low cost, they're effective, um, they're safe and the toxicity is low, they're reliable. Uh, they've got well-defined performance parameters and um, a good potential replacement for lead-acid batteries. The picture you paint of it around the phosphate market is actually quite concerning, isn't it? It is. It is because, you know, if you look at the things that are driving this tightening, they're not things that can be resolved quite quickly. And so the effects uh, on price but also all the way down to, to food prices uh, will be long-lasting. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people are concerned about it, uh, but investors, uh, it's probably bittersweet for investors because, you know, you'll be paying more for food and for dinner and, and, and uh, you know, agricultural side of things, you know, they're going to be paying more on cost inputs. But then on the investment side, uh, there's obviously uh, a lot of upside for investors. Now, the project, Jaketmar, uh, uh, 210 kilometres southwest of Tunis, uh, there's been some re- resource growth there recently and some uh, interesting network. Uh, Could you tell us about those? So this morning, Fosco announced excellent metallurgical results from pilot plant testing, and it showed that the ore from the flagship Chiketma phosphate project can be upgraded to 30% P2O5 with recovery greater than or equal to 80%. So these results are excellent. Uh, they're exciting. And what it means for us is that we can potentially produce a commercial grade concentrate capable of conversion to a higher value product being MAP or DAP. And uh, that would just be using conventional methods and, and reagents. And there's upside again, because if you read further in the announcement, that was using a head grade of just under 23%. And what we announced from the Cal upgrade work recently out of that deposit is that there's a high grade zone that makes up about 60% of the deposit and uh, that, that sits at a higher grade than the head grade used in the results today. So there's upside there which needs to be explored and looked at. If you can take it to 30%, phosphate pentoxide or water, it's called. I'm just wondering, you compare that to some of the uh, major juices around the world. I'm, I'm pretty sure Phosphate Hill here in Australia, which uh, only supplies about half our market, I think that's in the low 20s. So you're right, right up there in terms of grades? Yeah, right up there and... Absolutely. And, and, and that's something that we're very excited about. And the long-term vision for the company, you know, stage one, we would want to produce rock phosphate and, and go to a concentrate. And then stage two, liquid fertilizers. And uh, that's where we see this going. As things are moving along now, what needs to be done to make it a serious development project in terms of timing, scale? Yeah, sure thing. Well, uh, to start off with that last point there, scale, this project is already large. You know, it's 148 million tonnes. If you look at that 
high-grade shallow cal deposit alone, that's 55.5 million tonnes there, um, relatively close to surface. And, and that's from drilling at only half of that prospect. And, and you've got to remember there's six prospects here. So in terms of scale, we're covered. And that 55 million tonnes is enough for potentially 30 years mine life. Um, so the, the scale box is well and truly ticked. The, the next stage really is about understanding uh, the deposit more and upgrading the resource. So we've done that at Cal and that, that resource is completely measured and indicated. And the review is underway for the neighbouring GK prospect. That's that's 93 million tonnes from about 10 holes. And that'll incorporate 21 holes in the review to bring that up, um, hopefully in confidence like we did with Cal, the same methodologies will be used. Um, so there's resource work. And the other thing that's going on, and the reason the announcement came out today is because there's there's a, a, a mammoth task ahead of digesting all this technical work that's been done on the project during the hiatus. And that will be completed next quarter. And that will really define how, how we take the project forward. Um, it'll lead into an option study, which will lead into a PFS and a BFS. And because a lot of that technical work has been done, we're hopeful that it'll uh, allow us to fast track a lot of the feasibility studies. Right. Okay. Well, I think it's important, uh, given the market uh, and the geopolitics around the market, Tunisia. What's it like as a, a place to invest fiscally and uh, on the regulation side of things? And um, they were part of the Arab Spring way back. Are things settled down there now? Good place to be investing? Absolutely. So Tunisia, for, for those who don't know, it's the, the northernmost country in Africa. It abuts the Mediterranean Sea, uh, plenty of ports, and it's a wonderful place to do business. Geographically, it's very close to Europe, so it's on, on Europe's doorstep. Uh, the native tongue there is, is Arabic, um, very pro-democracy, and you, you're spot on. That, that was the birthplace of the Arab Spring. Um, and they also very commonly speak French and English as a second language. Um, so politically, the country is led... Uh, by a guy called Kais Saeed, and he's pro-foreign investment and really on a mission at the moment to um, also do away with uh, any bad guys that are giving the, the country a bad rep, which is great for us, great for foreign in investors and, and Western investment and um, anyone else who wants to do business the right way, which we are. Um, wherever you operate in the world, Political risk is a real risk. You know, you just have to ask Rio Tinto about that in Serbia and and, and some of the other uh, stories elsewhere. But but really, Tunisia is a country, and if you if you go there and meet the people there, uh, engage with government as we are doing, um, it, it's a wonderful place to do business, and it's a reason why we've stuck by this project and look forward to to taking it further. It does have mining industry. I think Glencore and a few others are there, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, Glencore, Shell, BP. Yeah, a lot of uh, tier one resource companies globally are active in country. Now, the location, 210k southwest. What's infrastructure like in that part of the world for the project? Yeah, we've, we've all come across resource projects, Barry, which, you know, might might look fantastic on paper, but then they don't tick the logistical boxes. Um, this is not one of those. You know, you could not ask for a better location in terms of logistics. We're 35 kilometres from the nearest railhead. There's access to ports. There's actually two ports. There's uh, gas and grid power nearby. Um, not that we'll necessarily need them because we're also going to be looking at uh, some green pathways in terms of how to develop this project uh, you know, with with ESG front of mind. Um, so 
in terms of logistics, in terms of project location, uh, we're very happy with where it sits. And as I said before, Tunisia itself, once you get to the port, you're right on Europe's doorstep and they're screaming out for product at the moment uh, because of everything that's going on. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your shareholder base. I see you've got uh, Lion Selection and Robin Widdup, uh, the chairman there, is also chairman of the company. So you've got uh, a pretty star-studded register for a company. Barry, we're lucky to have a board with deep industry experience who've done this before, and not just in Africa, but all sorts of challenging places. Um, you're spot on naming Robin there and, and the Lion guys. Uh, Lion Selection is an ASX-listed fund, and, and they're our largest shareholder and an active investor at that. They own 15%. We also have another fund on the register called Polo. They own 11%, and Retsos Holdings owns 13% there. Um, board and management, not only do we have experience, but we've got tons of skin in the game, and collectively we own 14%. Um, so we're, we're, in a, we're in a good position in terms of in terms of ability, in terms of experience, um, but also uh, backing ourselves here, as you can see by the register. And Lion Selection being a patient investor, they've been on the register for quite some time, I take it? They sure have. They sure have, yeah. That so they believe in the project, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And they've just come in again uh, uh, to to maintain their holding uh, on the back of another raise that was done uh, at the end of last year. So uh, they're very supportive of their position and, um, and and are backing this to the end. I was just going to, uh, going to ask about the cash position. You did have that uh, raised, so that keeps things uh, ticking along for the foreseeable future? Absolutely, certainly until uh, we commence the BFS. So we are in a good position and uh, well-funded for the next phase of work. And just um, we mentioned the hiatus in uh, around the ownership of the project there for a few years. I'm just wondering, have you completed your team building on the ground, as it were, in Tunisia? Yeah, good question. The team building uh, has has well and truly commenced, and, and it's underway. We've we've got Donald Thompson, who's a country manager. Uh, he he moved to Tunisia late last year, um, around Christmas time, in fact, and um, he's been building the team up. We've we've got geologists uh, in country, and that team, as well as a technical team, uh, is not only built, but it will get bigger to take this project forward through the next phase. Well, Tess, uh, interesting story, that's for sure. So I'm just hoping you could bring it all together for investors now and give them a feel for uh, 2022, what they should be looking out for. Yes, well, uh, we control an asset which contains 148.5 million tonnes of phosphate at over 20% with significant exploration upside. It's close to key infrastructure. North Africa contains 70% of the world's phosphate reserves and Fosco is the only ASX listed company that owns a phosphate asset in North Africa and conveniently located on Europe's doorsteps. Uh, we have a well-credentialed team with deep experience and skin in the game who are working flat out to deliver more news, so watch this space. And at the moment, we have a resource review which is underway and uh, anticipated shortly for the GK resource. We have technical studies which are progressing as a part of a gap analysis and we look forward to delivering the outcomes of that news and uh, that will set the path forward for BFS work and taking this project forward uh, against a backdrop of record high fertiliser prices. Uh, it's a great time to be involved in the company. Okay, there you go, folks. An interesting one there, a uh, potentially world-class project that's been on the back burner for a few years, now being brought out just as the fertiliser market uh, across the board has uh, taken off. So with that, Taz, uh, 
Thanks for your time today, and we'll be watching with interest. Thanks, Barry. Uh, great to be with you.